Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Bill, that's the strategy. Yeah. <laughs> you know he's getting ejected tonight. <laughs> Did you throw a tweet out, Alex, that I can retweet? Yep. Yes, you did. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome NFL strategy show. The last one of the season. Actually, that might not be true. We're probably going to go hard with Super Bowl. I know we're going to do a massive Sunday live stream for the Super Bowl. And I'm sure, you know what? That's just a flat out bald face lie. We'll be doing some stuff leading up to Super Bowl Sunday. That'd be crazy not to because we got everything here at Awesome O. Anyway, we're glad to have all of you guys with us. I'm Dave Lochran at Lafay underscore D on Twitter, L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D. And with me once again, back for the third straight week, Steve Buzzard at uh, Steve Buzzard on Twitter. You know him as the Colts. Generally speaking, you'd see him and our usual guest analyst, Alex Baker, Osimo himself, at Osimo DFS on the Twitter machine at the top of the leaderboards. Steve, what's going on, man? Hey, just uh, super excited to talk about some NFL this week. We've had a couple of really exciting uh, playoff weeks here so far, and I uh, can't wait to get back at it. Two-game slate's fun, uh, lots of showdowns, and lots of money to be won. Alex, man, two games. This is the last non-showdown strategy show that we're going to have this season. How about that? That's a better way to phrase it. Uh, And Patrick Mahomes looks like he's going to play, but you have a lot of question marks. And we did last week, too. You know, a lot of times you come into these short slates and and it looks pretty good. You don't have a ton to worry about. But I got to tell you, with um, Kansas City, it seems like the running back situation is more in flux than – then Patrick Mahomes conditioned himself. And then the wide receiver scenario in Tampa, we don't know if Antonio Brown's going to play either. So a lot of moving pieces. Hopefully we can break some of them down over the next 45 minutes. Definitely. I mean, it's so incredibly difficult to predict like what's going to happen with these injuries. I think I've been like, oh, and six, like trying to figure out like what quarterback's going to start, like what running back's going to play. Like that's been one of the biggest challenges of the postseason. Today, I mean, this week we have all the games on one day, so that makes it a little bit easier, but still a little bit of trickiness going on. 
Well, I say we dive right into it here. Only two games, but a lot to talk about. And, of course, if you're new to the channel, welcome. Glad to have you be part of the community. But the simplest way you can always know when we're going live or just know that when we have videos that come out, when we have streams, whether it's during or after them, uh, and simply if you've seen, if you like what you've seen so far and you want to help support us, hit that subscribe button. Help us get to 50,000 subscribers. We're so close. We're almost there. We're gunning to the Super Bowl to get it by then. But forget about all that. Forget about the huge giveaway we're going to be doing when we hit 50,000 subs, assuming it's by the Super Bowl. But more so, if you like what we've seen and you like helping us out and maybe knowing that it's the simplest and easiest way to support us here on the channel uh, so we can, you know, get over top of the YouTube overlords. That's the easiest way to do it, along with hitting that thumbs up. So your support, greatly appreciated. Let's dive into it. Steve, we'll start with you. The uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks, and we can go team by team here, di- dig into a little bit of strategy. But uh, you know what? Let me back up. First, two-game strategy. Is there anything way different that you do on two-game strategies when it comes to cruncher, when it just comes to overall philosophy on something like this? Or are you going about this as you normally would? Because it is a lot different than coming into a 10-game slate where there's no real massive ownership on anybody. It's not concentrated at the top. Now you've got so many guys with 30, 40, 50% ownership. Uh, it makes things difficult. So what's your process in, in terms of we uh, sifting through all of that for a short slate like this? Yeah, I think the biggest difference on a two-game slate compared to a full uh, 10-game slate is essentially, or you know, 15-game, whatever the number you want to consider a full-game slate, is that uh, there isn't as nearly as many guys that are going to be one or two or three percent owned that you can really get into your lineup that's going to shoot you up the top of the leaderboard if they blow up. Most of the guys that are that low owned in a contest like this are pretty much terrible essentially uh there's not going to be a good chance for them now that i say that i'm sure someone will blow up and that will be the game winner but uh more times than not that's not going to be the case on on the flip side you have all these guys that are in the 50 percent range as well uh, which is really a high risk because we do know throughout the nfl season there's a lot of variance that happens each time so what you often end up seeing is these guys that get really high owned are essentially too high owned. So you don't have the the good values there from at the very top end either. So what I, I try to do is try to make a little bit more balanced uh, lineup than I would in a full game slate and and try to uh, kind of probably more more times than not, maybe if I'm building a, a lineup go with maybe one or two at the most of the very chalkiest players and then kind of balance out a little bit from some of the other not quite so chalky players. The other thing that you have to consider that I don't really consider too much in in the full game slates is the duplicates. So if you're, you know, you want to try to think about if you're getting with those super high owned guys, one of the major problems that you have is your lineup is a lot more likely to be duplicated by other people in the field and if you uh, do that, then you're only sharing a, a part of the top prize. And, and each lineup is pretty close to equal, you know, not not 100% for sure. The the very chalkiest lineups are a slightly better chance of winning, but they aren't, you know, like double the chance of winning as a lineup that would be duplicated or three times some 
you know, one that would be duplicated three times as many times. So, so it's very important to kind of keep that in mind as well. Alex, I think one kind of interesting wrinkle in this site is I'm, I've found just according to our ownership projections, and I know throughout the week they can change. You still have almost two full days, well, really two full days and more uh, with them to, to be able to change a little bit. They're always in flux depending on what news we get uh, and other factors, but I found some pretty decent value that I think is obviously massively risky because anytime you have a low owned player on a two game slate that isn't chalky, they're going to be putting you in a situation where they could just not be good at all. But, um, you know, we're going to talk about a few running backs, maybe a tight end or two and a couple wide receivers that, you know, don't jump off the page at you at first glance. You're not really enamored with them, but I do think there are ways to get different. And uh, someone like yourself or Steve getting different on these slates I think you would agree is the only way that you're going to really uh, not only win because strange things happen, but also come in uh, with solo firsts and, and not tied with 500 other people. Definitely. I mean, the challenge of NFL DFS changes so much when you're comparing like a full slate to a two game slate, because especially with playoff teams, like everybody knows all of the players and who's right. good, who's a bad play. Like the edge you can get in playing better plays than other people is pretty much minimal because even the casual players know for the most part what's going on with these teams. And it's not like you can pick a game that's better than one of the others. So what I really try to do is go for more lineup construction strategies and game theory more than, you know, trying to figure out like who's the best wide receiver or the best running back. Steve hit on a good one where just fading some of the higher own guys can be a way to, to get a lineup that's pretty unique. I, I also like kind of building these onslaught lineups where people usually are used to setting maybe one or two players paired with their quarterback. But if you just like stack up like three receivers and the running back and the quarterback, like that seems to work like surprisingly well in these past few small slates. It's been working for me. So I might go back to the wall there. Yeah, it's worked really well, uh, specifically with the Buffalo Bills, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I think we can get into all that. Maybe at the end of the show, once we get through all of these teams, we can uh, we can kind of put a bow on all of this and talk about some of that game theory specifically that, that you think makes the most sense for both of you guys uh, on Sunday's two-game championship slate. Let's do it, Steve. Start it with the Tampa Bay Bucks and the Green Bay Packers. Of course, we did the matchup show yesterday, Matt Savoka and myself, but this one will be a little bit different. We'll try and put a a, a more tournament-based spin on it like we always do with On the Contrary. This is a blend between that and the strategy show. So uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks, though, you know, you look at them, Steve, and they, they've been really, really solid over the past several months. I like guess one and a half, two months. Tom Brady's been re- remarkable this season. The one really rough game he had was against New Orleans, and, you know, we saw what happened last week, and the one really bad game Rodgers had was against this Tampa Bay team. But I guess let's start off with the passing game here. The Tampa Bay Bucks are three-and-a-half-point road uh, dogs at Lambeau, 24-point implied total, and this game is a 51-and-a-half-point total. Do you like Tom Brady and his pass-catching options, and what are we doing if uh, Antonio Brown sits? Because that seems like a realistic possibility right now. 
Yeah, so so the first thing I want to kind of get out of the way on on the passing game for the for this game in total is just the weather. Um, a lot of people you're going to hear talk about how the there's supposed to be snow and that's really a pretty big risk for the passing game. But I'd, I'd be really hesitant to think that. Uh, it looks like the wind itself is not going to be too significant for this game, and it's just mainly going to be snow with. Uh, very little wind. And what we typically see is wind is the big driver for passing game failures, whereas snow is fairly neutral and potentially even slightly beneficial to the offense. Uh, the reason why that is, and you don't really tend to think about it as much, is is that uh, the offense knows which way they're going to go. So if the field is a little bit slippery, then uh, you end up having the defense that's reacting at a smaller amount of time and the offense can, you know, potentially uh, get, get away from the defender. So, so when, uh, the weather is not something I'm really concerned about in this game. That leads me and it's to not going to be really cold either. I mean, for Lambo, 27 degrees is not all that bad for someone like Brady that's played in Gillette stadium his whole life. Yeah. Yep, exactly. And, same for Rogers too, right? He's used exactly. to playing in that, in that cold weather too. So, uh, so I don't see that as a big problem, but it does look like it's reflecting a little bit of a problem in our ownership. So I would tend to, I, I do like uh, Brady here. Uh, he's, you know, like you said, he's been doing fine. He's not really having the normal upside probably is what you would expect from a big time quarterback. But uh especially when you compare it to him to the other three that are on the slate, but really all you need is, is him to have a slightly above average game and the rest of them to, to not really blow up to, to get you in a good spot given his price tag. So I do like uh, going to Tom Brady here and yeah, I have no issues with that uh, in regards to Antonio Brown situation. So he, he did play uh, 40% of his snaps last week. That's a little bit below where he's been uh, trending for pretty much the whole year. I think that might actually been his lowest number for the, for the season. And part of that was due to some of the injury that he was uh, having, but um, you know, he also, he had two catches for 49 yards um, in the first round and then only one catch for 10 yards in the, in the second round of the playoffs. So he's not really been performing too great, but uh, that's that as well as his injury tag has really also depleted his ownership. So if he is a go, uh, I actually like the idea of stacking up uh, Brady and Antonio Brown as kind of those lower owned guys. Now they're not, you know, 1% owned like we were talking about at the beginning, but they aren't the very top owned guys either. So I think this is a pretty good place that you could get a little bit different and they're pretty cheap, both of them so that you could stack up the rest of your team pretty well. So I, I like that idea. If Antonio Brown sits, then I think, it's a little bit unclear what exactly the, the big benefit will be. Typically, that's been Scotty Miller throughout the year. But uh, last week, it was Tyler Johnson who saw 21% of the snaps compared to Miller's 11%. So it looks like it's probably going to be fairly close of a split between the two of them. And the fact that Antonio Brown is only playing in the 40% of snaps anyways means that you're probably going to get a you know 40 ish percent range for both of these guys and essentially then you're trying to just hope that one of them ends up getting all the uh, snaps and looks and then you also have to hope that they perform well and it's not uh, in a big huge game it's not 
Godwin and Evans that you're looking for. So I'm not super too interested in uh, either of those two guys, maybe a lineup or two here, especially if they're really low owned. But uh, if Antonio Brown's out, I'll probably pivot elsewhere. What about you, Alex? Yeah, I think if Antonio Brown is in, this team is a lot more interesting to stack because I feel like, I mean, what Steve was saying about how Tyler Johnson and Scotty Miller will have a pretty even split and neither have been particularly productive on the field, that would make it really tough to find that third wide receiver to pick along with maybe Evans or Godwin. So I'm hoping Antonio Brown plays because then we have three really good options Although he his snap count was pretty low last week, it was a little bit higher on passing plays. He was in on fifty six percent of dropbacks of running a route, so I'm not not good. But he he is targeted the most of any wide receiver this year when he's actually out on the field. So uh, he's probably the third guy I'd look at on the team, but. Um, yeah, having that third option allows you to get a lot more unique with your Tampa Bay stacks. And I, I like going to Brady in the Tampa Bay box because uh, they pass the ball at a very high rate. I mean, so do Kansas City and Buffalo. But with Brady being the lowest owned of the bunch, uh, only Green Bay is the one that like passes at a neutral rate. So Tampa Bay... Um, might be your lowest owned high volume passing offense of the four. Alex, let me stick with you for a second. The the run game is where I find that we could get some legitimate value this week. Uh, Leonard Fournette last week in that divisional round win over the saints had 17 carries for a paltry 63 yards, but he also was targeted six times to Ronald Jones, one five receptions, 44 yards and a touchdown, but Ronald Jones, you're dealing with a guy that was questionable, like legitimately questionable, game time decision questionable throughout the week, finally played. And while Fournette still saw 17 carries, Ronald Jones got 13, which I think is significant. Now, he was only targeted once in the passing game, but we've seen Bruce Arians on multiple occasions this season go with the hot hand, and he's done that a lot. And I think in a game as big as this one, if Ronald Jones just so happens to come out on the second drive of the game and rip off some big runs like he did last week, and now he's healthier than he was in the divisional round, uh, I- I'm on board with that. I could see this being a game where Ronald Jones gets 18 carries to Leonard Fournette's 12, and it wouldn't shock me at all. Right now, we have Ronald Jones at 8%, no, sorry, 9% projected ownership on DraftKings at $4,600. To me, it's something I won't be getting away from. Now, I can understand why people might, but there's just too much potential value in a guy that can get goal line carries and can take over, can assume that lead back roll on any given week, depending on how he's playing, and assuming that he's fully healthy now. What are your thoughts on the backfield for Tampa? Yeah, I like what you're getting at with this ownership disparity between Jones and Fournette. Throughout the year, it's been pretty much anyone's guess who would be the lead back on any given day. I think especially coming into this game where Ronald Jones throughout the season was more often in the lead back, but then Fournette has been producing uh, in the playoffs. I think it's just as unclear as ever who's going to be the lead back. And I think it may be determined by who's just playing better in the game. So like we might not have all the information to really know who would be the, the guy. So I do like taking shots on Ronald Jones, given the ownership even though Fournette coming off a few good games, maybe he's a little bit more likely to be the lead back. 
What about you, Steve? Yeah, I, I think you guys took pretty much my whole stance that I was taking as well. I, I'm really big on Ronald Jones as long as that ownership stays where it is. Um, and kind of on the flip side on Fournette, his ownership is so high that I don't think it, it justifies him being a high part of your plan. So so you mentioned that the split the split for carries was 17 to 13, but the uh, snaps were 29% for Ronald Jones and 68% for Fournette. So that tells me that once Jones got out there, they were really trying to give him a, a carry. So they, so they, he was, you know, he, like you said, he was questionable coming into the game. He wasn't a hundred percent. They really liked getting, giving him a chance to get the ball in his hands every time he was getting out on the field. Uh, it also might, you know, might possibly be somewhat that he couldn't, pass block as well because of his injury but uh it it tells me that that they really want to get him involved in and have the ball in his hands so i i think that i would continue to see that uh snap percentage kind of get closer together which would tend to lead me to think that jones will uh, as long as he's healthy which from everything it looks like that i've been reading it looks like he will be at least more so than what he had been last week and as much as anyone is you know at this time of the year so um yeah let, let me go with ronald jones and uh you know put him in with that tom brady and antonio brown stack is good plan as well do you have any interest in the the tight end situation alex sure yeah, i mean it's a two-gamer so we gotta consider everyone over the past three weeks, Gronk and Braid have been very close in terms of the number of routes they've been running. And on the season, when they're out there, about even on how much they've been targeted. So just going off the name brand of Gronk, kind of driving ownership to him, maybe I, I lean towards Braid a little bit. But I think that, especially in a Brady sack, you, we got to really consider these guys because, I mean, um, you got Tanyan and Kelsey, who are probably better players, but they're more expensive. But Tanya, especially, like, he's been having a lot of uh, efficiency throughout the year, which I'm not sure is as repeatable more than the volume of targets. And then Dawson Knox, like, Buffalo, like, uses the tight end position pretty seldomly. So uh, I think Braden and Gronk are firmly in the mix. All right, Steve, if we flip the page to the Green Bay Packers, they're a little more than a field goal favorite at home. Uh, honestly, Aaron Rodgers loves cold weather games. I think if you asked him, they have asked him. I watched an interview with him just a couple weeks ago where they asked about the cold, you know, did he like it? Is it helpful? This was in that win, that that blowout win. I forget who they played, but it was Sunday. Or it was Monday night football, I think, and they just – destroyed they annihilated another good team and he was asked about it and he said i'd rather it be you know zero degrees or something so he wants the temperatures to be well below freezing bad weather it's a huge advantage to that team he's used to playing there uh tampa bay traveling up or up from tampa bay in warm weather but when you have tom brady like both you and i stated already it's i think it's less of an issue when it's going to be 27 or 30 degrees and they're expecting less than an inch of snow uh, but this is certainly uh, this is this is Aaron Rodgers' wheelhouse, and his connection with Devontae Adams all season long has been spectacular. How do you approach the passing game this week against the Tampa team that has done a phenomenal job of stopping opposing rushers and can really slow down the run game, but has had some issues against good passers and elite wide receivers? Yeah, so 
So of course, Aaron Rodgers has to say he loves the cold weather. He'd be shipped out of Green Bay if he if he didn't, right? So, so even. Um, <clears throat> but um, but yeah, I think that uh, I think he would be a really good play again. So I, I like the passing game here, just like I do Tampa's. Uh, there's a couple ways that you can go about it. So you can you know, go right after Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams has pretty much been as much of a lock this year as you could get from a wide receiver uh, week in, week out. And his price is down at 8,000 on DraftKings, 8,900 on FanDuel. So so those prices are not too bad really for the production that he's been getting. And his ownership does reflect that. So you're definitely not going to get an ownership break on uh, Adams, but I do think that that's a good combination that will uh, be pretty, pretty interesting. Um, you can also, if, if we're thinking about, you know, going with the onslaught plan, like Alex mentioned, I think uh, Lazard is a really good option as well. Uh, Lazard played 72% of the snaps last week, which was kind of right of where he's been trending for most of the year. And he had a really good solid, you know, 96 yards with four receptions and a touchdown to uh, reward his, 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 uh, all of his owners. So that's pretty good. But even with that big game, he he doesn't look like he's getting a lot of ownership and he's not getting, uh, his price wasn't bumped up that much either. So 4,200 on DraftKings and 5,700 on FanDuel is a pretty good uh, price for Lazard. So I I think both of those guys are pretty, you know, I wouldn't say under-owned, because Adams is so high owned, but the fact that Rogers is pretty low owned, Lazard is pretty low owned. You can get Adams into those type of lineups because you're going with a couple of other low owned guys. So I like the idea of stacking those guys up. And uh, then, then finally kind of Robert Tanyan, he's just slightly higher than Gronk who we just talked about. Uh, and I think Tanyan's quite a bit better player at this point in their careers which is sad for me to say as a big Gronkowski fan, but it is what it is. So I would be more than happy to uh, pair Tanya even with, with that as well. So uh, yeah, I like that. And then, Oh, finally, one other thing it does give you also on the passing game is Aaron Jones is one of the top owned guys on the whole slate. So if the passing game really blows up, that is probably at the expense of Aaron Jones. So while you're, again, you're getting a high owned Devonte Adams, you're at least get creating some leverage against Aaron Jones. If you go against him. Alex, you heard where Steve's at, and I, I think there's definitely some interest from what we just heard. And the guys like Alan Lazard and maybe some you know, secondary or non-primary, really non-Devante Adams receivers on this team. Do you like Green Bay stacks this week? Which I know you, we all know it's two-game slate. Of course, there's, there's interest in anything. But uh, the top stack probability on them is a lot lower than Buffalo and Kansas City. The ownership is also quite a bit lower as well. Uh, and the value, I guess, according to our top stack tool, also isn't really as high. So they don't grade out all that wonderfully, but it's such a small slate. Does that influence your opinion to say, well, you know what, maybe I'll take this into consideration a little bit less than I would on a 10-game slate where where it means a little bit more? Uh, what are you doing with Green Bay? I think Green Bay is a fantastic passing offense. And, I mean, we've seen huge performances time and time again this year but they're my fourth favorite of the four on this slate just because of the passing volume. For Green Bay, they've run the ball 43% of the time at neutral game scripts. All three other teams are in the low 30s, so there's a significant gap in pass volume. Now, you put them against Tampa Bay, which is maybe a pass funnel, 
because of how strong they are to run, maybe we get a little bit more passing out of Green Bay this week. But from a game theory perspective, I find it a little bit tough to, to do this one because Devontae Adams makes such a large percentage of the, the passing offense that it's really hard to, to build a Rodgers lineup without him. And then you only have like two or three realistic options to stack after that with Lazard. I guess MVS, Tanyan, and Aaron Jones are all kind of stackable, but I'm just a little bit worried that if I have a, a Green Bay stack, it's going to be very similar to other people's. Okay. Yeah, Steve, do you have any follow-up thoughts on that? I know there's a bunch of Green Bay players that you like, but uh, how much are you feeling the Green Bay stack overall with, you know, maybe even a... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Green Bay onslaught, or is that something you probably don't get much of this week? Yeah, I think the best way to do it is getting Lazard into the lineup because he's not super high owned. So Aaron jo- Aaron Rodgers himself is not super high owned and Lazard not being super high owned, you know, certainly together, they will be highly correlated in the lineups that they're in. But adding those to Devontae Adams, I think will help make you not super unique, but at least a little bit unique because I agree 100% that Adams is going to pretty much be in almost every Aaron Rodgers stack. If you really wanted to get crazy, you could do Aaron Rodgers stacks without Adams and have kind of an onslaught that way, but that's a pretty risky strategy that I wouldn't do too often. One down, one to go. The next one, it's a pretty insane game for sure. I should let you guys know as well that we've got a promo going right now. It is Connor, like Connor McGregor, C-O-N-O-R, for a $2.57 Awesome O Plus weekly pass for UFC or for MMA, sorry. Uh, everything for $2.57. You know, top fighter tool, uh, projections, ownership projections, all of that for less than $3.00. For the week got a massive fight coming up tomorrow everyone should be very excited about that check it out and if you're into all of the sports nfl nba uh, mma nascar pga everything they, if these sites have contests DraftKings, vandal if they have contests we have premium content for it projections ownership the top stack tools the boomer bust tools the lineup builder we got so much uh at awesome.com you really need not you don't have to go anywhere else if you're using this type of content and all of the tools built by the man, Alex Baker, right here and used by him as well to win a lot of money. So check them out. Awesome.com slash join. We have weekly passes for less than $4. Got this promo for less than $3. Uh, you could do an annual if you want to make this a legitimate investment, monthly, weekly, all access, single sport, whatever you want, whatever style of player you are, however much money you have that you're willing to spend on a subscription, we got something for you. So check it out. And if you do have questions about these subs, uh, how to use them and certain tools, First of all, the tools we're putting together, a lot of great stuff at the top. Just read it, and you'll figure out exactly how to use it. But if you have any questions, you can DM me at Lafayette underscore D on Twitter. Go to awesomeo.com slash join. And uh, the Connor promo should be at awesomeo.com slash promos if you want to make it easier on yourself. 
All right, let's uh, let's go to the second one. Alex, 54-point total. Buffalo on the road at Arrowhead Stadium. They're three-point dogs. They still have a pretty nice implied total, though, at 25-and-a-half. And according to our top stack tool, which comes included with many of the subscriptions that we just talked about, 39.6% top stack probability for the Buffalo Bills. Ownership coming in around 35% on Josh Allen. Number one, can you just give a quick explanation on how you use this top stack tool and why it's so valuable? And then let's talk about the fact that Buffalo has a higher top stack probability than the Kansas City Chiefs this week. Uh, yeah, definitely. So uh, the top stacks is really something that I find valuable, like especially hand building to kind of figure out my stack because that's really going to drive my the rest of my lineup. So what it does, what I've been doing is running simulations to figure out the chance that each player uh, plus one or two wide receiver, tight end, running backs will have the highest uh, quarterback score plus receiving score for those guys. So basically, if uh, if the three players or two players are the highest scoring of any combo, that is what uh, gets them in the top stack column. So a little bit of, how it, it, of it is how the targets are distributed. So uh, the, and the other uh, factor is really the volume of passing. So, I mean, Kansas City and Buffalo both are very high pass volume offenses where Kansas City has run the ball at 35%. Buffalo, I'm kind of reading into last week a little bit because, man, they, like, did not run the ball, like, hardly at all in the first Seven half. Seven carries for Singletary, and Zach Moss was out. Yeah, and a lot of those came in the second half. I think only one was first half or something. I was like tilting so hard about that because he was my highest on player, and I was like, oh, man. <laughs> and yep. now we see Singletary is again one of the highest on projected players. And this like this game could just not have any rushing attempts, especially if Buffalo loses this one. So that's kind of where I'm feeling. Uh, Buffalo could have a a better shot at being the top stack than Kansas City just because game script does like factor a little bit better in for Buffalo, especially given that we saw how little they're running the ball last week. Yeah, absolutely. And Steve, this is a point I was making yesterday on the matchup show is that yes, Buffalo is and Josh Allen is willing to spread the ball around a lot. And normally that would be a detriment when you're talking about whether or not a team makes for a great stacking uh, candidate because, you know, you want to have some type of concentrated targets. But they ran the ball seven times to the running back in a game that only had 20 points, and they won by 14. So, yes, they spread the ball around. But if this game is going to be a shootout, you know that they're not going to run it, and they're just going to continuously – Josh Allen is just going to continuously throw the ball. Look, I know his passing volume hasn't been absurd lately. He's thrown 35-plus times uh, in – Really, every game he's played to completion since week 13. But in a game like this, Josh Allen, he's got to throw 35-plus times. I can't imagine they're just going to lean on the ground unless they go with a completely different game plan that uh, and get away from what's worked all year. So, yes, they spread the ball around. But let me tell you something. When you spread the ball around and you throw it 40-plus times, usually there should be enough volume to go around as well. What are you doing with Buffalo? Yeah, I, I agree with everything that uh, you guys both are saying. Uh, I would expect this to be a pretty pass-heavy game. 
the two teams, uh, Chiefs ranked number one in my uh, adjusted pass ratio. So essentially that's how often is a team passing more often versus what their expectation is given the game situation. And um, the Bills ranked third, which they might even, I didn't update my numbers for last week, so they might even have moved up to number two after uh, that, that very pass-heavy game last week. So, yeah, I would expect both teams are going to be, you know, throwing the ball around and hopefully that's how they move the ball. Um, so, so I think that's a very good possibility that uh, we could see this game shoot out. But as you've noticed, I talked up the last game for the passing offense on both sides. So I'm a little bit cooler on the overall passing game. I don't think I'm going to completely fade it for the bills. Uh, looks like I'm kind of coming in around where they are uh, against the field. So I don't think that's a, a huge detriment to uh josh allen given his ownership i do think that singletary is pretty risky because you are expecting him to given his ownership which is quite high uh to to really uh have the bills pat or run a lot more this time than what they did last week and i am quite worried about that i think if you would have gone back maybe three or four years ago uh, Devin Singletary's ownership would probably have tanked a little bit this this week, given uh, where where they ran last week and him only getting 25 yards. People would have felt burned by that, but they are a lot more used to going to stay in, stay in the course nowadays. So I do expect his ownership will stay quite high, and for me, it is actually too high. So may, so maybe I'm kind of more like those those people back back in the day that would go uh, away from somebody that kind of busted and, and go a little bit more towards Josh Allen, this game and, and especially Stefan Diggs as well. Tell you this much, Steve, if there is this big of a discrepancy between Devin Singletary and Ronald Jones, um, you better believe that Ro- Ronald Jones, if there, if, if the ownership dis- disparity is that big, then I, I don't know how you don't just love Ronald Jones. Yeah, one hundred. Yeah, no, I agree completely. I have uh, in, the, in the lineups I ran right before this, um, I have Ronald Jones coming in quite a bit higher than Singletary. Interesting, just mainly because of those ownership discrepancies. Right. Yeah, I think so too. Um, Alex, is there anything else specific players you want to hit on for Buffalo? You talked about the strategy and and how they're coming in at the top of the top stack tool. But uh, is there anyone you really like here? Of course, Stefan Diggs is a stud, and we love him, but. Uh, from Dawson Knox to Cole Beasley getting blanked last week to John Brown seeing double-digit targets. What are we doing? You're muted. That was wild how Cole Beasley got blanked. I mean, we saw it with John Brown the previous week. But on the season, I mean, Cole Beasley has been pretty effective. He's gotten targeted 21% of the time he's run a route. Last week, he only ran routes on 70% of plays, which has been about par for the course when John Brown has been playing this year. So he's the third guy, but given that he came off, he's coming off a zero-point performance, I'm still thinking that he has great potential to succeed this week. If you look at the work as a whole on the year, he's been pretty fantastic, really exceeded expectations. Um, so he'd be a guy that I really like. I mean, Stefan Diggs, like he hardly even have to say anything about him because he's just getting it done every single week. And then the price on John Brown is pretty reasonable as well. So 
this definitely fits the mold of the kind of team I'm looking to stack in an onslaught because you can fit a lot of these guys in there, like Dawson Knox as well. Not my favorite tight end, but he's really cheap. And then Singletary, like since they're throwing the ball a lot, like, I mean, he's the main receiving running back. So he maybe he catches a touchdown or they get a big and they he sees the garbage time work. I, I think uh, all those guys are, are going to be staples in my lineups this week. All right. Hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet, guys. And if you're just jumping in, be sure to subscribe to the channel. Uh, remember, too, everything that we have here, all of our shows available in podcast form, not the deeper dive and live before lock because there's no point. There's no shelf life. The moment they're done, uh, they're not going to help you anymore because the slate has started. But all the strategy shows that we have in the mornings and the afternoons, everything pops up right after we record them or right after we finish being live on podcast, whether it's Apple uh, Podcasts, Spotify, whatever, just search Awesome A-W-E-S-E-M-O, and check that out. Be sure to leave us a five-star review if you like this ch- the, the shows, if you like the channel as well, and rate us because it helps us a ton. And that's how the rating system works. The more ratings you get, the higher you go to the top. So all of your support, greatly appreciated. Steve, let's talk about the Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes, questionable limited in practice, but Andy Reid suggested that he's been taking most of the, almost all of the the first team, well, not even first team, all of the quarterback reps, all of the signal caller reps. He got, I mean, he was wobbled. It sure looked like he went to sleep last game. I saw chat debating that earlier, but the way he tried to stand up certainly looked like someone who was just asleep on the turf. Now you've got him coming in week. He will be a week removed from that game. What are your thoughts on Mahomes here, and do you think he plays? Yeah, so it's, it's hard to say for sure if uh, he will play. We won't know that until he actually passes the test. But like you're saying, I, I saw that he was taking the majority of the snaps on Thursday, all the snaps on Wednesday. If the Chiefs were really pretty concerned about him not playing, you have to think that they would want to be given any as many reps as possible because uh, he just hasn't had them all year long. So... I feel like the there is probably a pretty good chance. The line, the Vegas line with the Chiefs just barely favored. I think, is it three points they're favored by right now? Uh, seems to, I, I would expect that to be a little bit higher if they thought for sure that uh, Mahomes was going to play. But uh, that's fine. It's still not way off. So I think he plays. Uh, hopefully we should know that before any of the lineups are set. I would be surprised if we don't. You normally tend to get that news a little bit earlier, um, either on Saturday or overnight type report. So I would expect that we'll know one way or the other. If he does play, I think, of course, you want to use him. But the big problem is his ownership, and it's quite high, and his price is quite high. And the stacking partners that you primarily want to stack with him, their price is quite high as well. So of course, if you're going to do an onslaught type of stack with Mahomes, you're going to want Tyreek Hill. You're going to want Travis Kelsey. And all of those guys added up is pretty expensive, and that gets makes it hard to get in guys like Diggs, get in uh, Devontae Adams, and those type of guys. So really making the onslaught stack with the Chiefs, while it's the very desirable, it's very tough to do and build a good lineup uh, with some of the other interesting high-owned guys so I don't think that that's my favorite approach uh, across the, the slate I do like the idea still of 
uh, stacking up Travis Kelsey. So he's the tight end that I've been on pretty much all, all year this year. And he's the main tight end, especially when Kittle was out that could really blow up a slate. So I always like trying to go with a guy like that. And this week it's no exception. Certainly we've talked Tanyan and Gronkowski can be fine plays, but they don't have nearly the upside that Kelsey does. That said, Kelsey is about 4,000 more expensive or 3,000 more expensive than uh, on, on DraftKings versus Fan, FanDuel than the next closest option. So whether you build your lineup with Kelsey or not, and he's a, his ownership is quite high, you know, close to about 50%. So you're either going to have the, the lineups that have a lot of money left over after spending on Kelsey or the lineups that don't have a lot of money left over. So I'm going to probably try to split the field a little bit on that and, and be fairly close to the field and, and have those two different uh, lineup builds. And I think he's well worth his ownership, just not a, a slam dunk play. You know, oddly enough, Alex, I've built some Mahomes, Hill, and Kelsey lineups. Strangely, it's actually not that hard to do, but it feels like everyone is going to have something very similar. Like the Singletary, I swapped out for Ronald Jones because, you know, why not? Um, in this one, I just threw it up. I, I just built it now. Uh, Williams, uh, like let's say uh, Edwards Alaire and it doesn't play. Uh, Daryl Williams is going to be chalky. Uh, running it back with Diggs, of course, and then a $4,300 John Brown and a full-out game stack, and then a $3,800 pass catcher, whether it be Robert Tunyon or Robinson if Watkins doesn't play or Miller if Antonio Brown doesn't play. It funnels you into a very specific build, I think, if you're going Mahomes, Kelsey, and Hill. Agreed, yeah. I think like the probability that that – combo is in the winning lineup is pretty high because Hill and Kelsey are such fantastic players. And then Mahomes, if they both have a good game, obviously he's going to have an insane score. So I, I think like there's a high likelihood we see that at the top, but I just don't see myself being up there with those lineups. Like you're saying, because it's like, if you get that combo, right, then like differentiating yourself from the other like 10,000 people with that combo is going to be very, very difficult. So um, I think one thing I'm leaning towards here is playing Kelsey without Mahomes in a lot of lineups, because I, I think that the salary cap kind of works in your favor more if you take the high end at tight end, because if you don't take, uh, one of the if you don't take Kelsey, like that's five fifty four hundred or forty four hundred from the next highest option in Tanyan. And the more like restricted you are by the salary cap, it's like the more ways there are to build a lineup where we know like if there's no salary cap, there's you just pick all the best players, but like then if you have Kelsey, you actually have like more difficult choices to make with the rest of your lineup, more opportunities. So I do see a little bit of advantage with putting in Kelsey just because I, I feel like there's more possible lineups with them than without him. Yeah, for sure. Um, you're right. I, it, it's a decision that you're going to have to make whether or not you're going to want a lot of the Mahomes Kelsey Hill lineups. Like you said, is there, is there a pretty decent chance that these are at the top of, of, of tournaments? Yeah, but it's just, you try it yourself, you know, crunch lineups are doing yourself. It looks like at least preliminary uh, on a preliminary basis, it, there's going to be pretty much anything that you can get, it, anything you f- do after fitting in Kel- Kelsey Hill and Mahomes 
uh, is going to look very similar because there's going to be all of those 4K and, and high 3K plays that are going to fit in there as well. Steve, what do you think about some of these lesser priced options, the non-Hill and Kelsey options when it comes to Kansas City, whether it be Watkins if he plays, Demarcus Robinson, Mikal Hardman, uh, Byron Pringle, anybody else here viable enough for a small slate like this? Yeah, so I think we're still unsure if Watkins can go. He he was practicing, and it looks like he's going to be willing to be able to go, but we yeah, don't know that. limited practice yesterday. Yeah, yeah, so so not 100%, but it does look like he's trending in the right direction. Since he, he didn't play last week, I'm always a little bit hesitant to say that, that he is going to be in. So last week without uh, Watkins, the split was Hardman 69% of the snaps, Robinson 71%, and Pringle 47%. It was Hardman that got the most of the targets uh, and, and production with 58 yards on four catches, which is you know kind of to be expected as he's the what I think the best of those, those players talent wise. So, so I think if Watkins is out, I am pretty interested in Hardman again. Um, I don't think that he is a great value though, because his, I mean, his price is fine. 4,000 Watkins price is fine. 3,800, but they aren't, the, the most of the slate is priced down enough that you can fit so many other really good options into your lineups without going to a guy like this. So I think that it's fine if Watkins is out, if Watkins is in, they, they pretty much are all kind of thrown all over the place and they're more or less just kind of dart throws to me. What are you doing Alex with the run game as we close out today's show? The, uh, Kansas City Chiefs, this is a question mark. It looks like Clyde Edwards-Alaire is certainly uh, in a better position than he was last week. It seems like, you know, last week the trajectory looked like he wasn't playing the whole time. Andy Reid was was pretty pessimistic when he spoke, and, and, and generally he's always cryptic with his language, but uh, he was he was seemed pessimistic. This week, um, Edwards-Alaire was, was questionable, or still is questionable. He was limited at practice yesterday. But also, Le'Veon Bell didn't practice at all yesterday with an ailing knee. So there is a realistic possibility that Daryl Williams is the starter. Or also, if Edwards Alaire is active, do you think it might be a timeshare between him and Williams? This is a really tough one to break down. That is really tough because, I mean, the, the snap counts last week really showed that Daryl Williams has complete confidence from the coaches when he saw, like, uh, 14 rushes, Le'Veon Bell's two, and then a routes was about a comparable split. So, uh, I mean, he's definitely the guy, if there's no Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, but if Clyde Edwards-Hilaire plays, then we're kind of trying to put the pieces together where all season long he's been ahead of Daryl Williams significantly. So I think you're right. It's probably going to be some sort of split probably favoring Clyde Edwards-Alaire if he plays. But if he's not going to play, then Daryl Williams looks like a smash play. How about you, Steve? The running back situation for Kansas City. Have fun breaking this one down. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it's it's pretty interesting. So, yeah, Daryl Williams will be a great smash play if Edwards-Alaire is out. And even if Le'Veon Bell is active, I think that uh, he is not heavily in the, the game plan at all. Uh, he might get some just, you know, relief for Darrell Williams, but uh, I don't expect him to be a, a big 
factor. So especially if this is news that we don't get until right before the inactives are released, I think that you're going to get Darrell Williams at really low ownership. And I think he could be a pretty interesting play one way or the other. I think with Edwards Hilaire, I think there's a good chance that uh, you end up with a guy that is pretty highly owned and he isn't hundred percent healthy since he, you know, since he was held out last week. So I like Hilaire. Okay. He's just not someone that I'm going to be too excited about getting to. I would much rather take some shots on Williams and hopefully that uh, that'll pay off at a low ownership. All right. Well, I said we'd put a bow on it to close this one out, Alex, and that's exactly what we're going to do. We've gone through all two, both games, all four teams. Uh, you Looking back on this, uh, is there any specific strategy that you're looking to employ, whether it's you know getting away from a certain team, maybe it's the Mahomes-Kelsey-Hill stack, maybe it's doing something different uh, to try and put yourself in a unique position heading into Sunday? Yeah, uh... I think uh, Kansas City stack is, is pretty intriguing because, I mean, we got some great players. So I probably, uh, like we were talking about before, like if you pick Hill and Kelsey, that's a little bit of overkill. It might be better to just plant a flag in one of the two, then go to a couple of uh, secondary players just to get a little bit different. If Watkins plays, I think he's solid. And then maybe go to a running back. Um, if Watkins is out, Kind of take your pick between Hardman, Robinson, and Pringle. I think the ownership should make up for the difference in talent to some extent. So I think uh, this one's a, a pretty pretty interesting one to target. What about you, uh, Steve? Close us out. Yes, I think that what I'm kind of thinking of leaning towards is going with a passing attack from the Green Bay-Tampa Bay game, whether that's with uh, Rodgers or with Brady. And then because you have such good options and money savings, that gives you the chance to throw in a guy like Kelsey or Tyreek Hill from the uh, Kansas City Buffalo game, as well as I think you really want to get digs into those lineups as as well, just because he's priced so well and continues to perform. So uh, go with a pretty heavy stack on those games and then pick one of the very big names from the second game uh, to kind of fill out that lineup. And I think you're looking to be in a pretty good spot uh, that way. And then, like we said, for the running back situation, uh, Ronald Jones is a great pivot to guys uh, like Singletary and Edwards Hilaire, uh, et cetera. So uh, hopefully Ronald Jones comes through for us. Yeah, I'm going to need it. But ultimately for me, I just, I look at the Singletary ownership, and if he really is coming in, you know, 50% of the field owns Devin Singletary, despite the fact that this team really doesn't want to run. Now, could he be involved in the passing game uh, and have a big catch and run? Could he get into the end zone? It's possible, but he has so many things working against him. Like, could he have a, uh, could he catch a ball at the 25, bring it in for a touchdown? Sure. Could he break off a big run on one of his handful of carries? Sure. But not only do they not run the ball, but when they get in goal-to-go situations, they have a quarterback that is their primary running back that is also capable of taking away running uh, goal line opportunities and touchdown scoring opportunities. So the touchdown equity even for Singletary um, is, is, is pretty low as well. Ronald Jones, hell, maybe even Fournette and Jones lineups to be different this week. You're going to have to do something 
and this 50 plus percent Devin Singletary, if he comes in there, uh, is going to be one way to, to get away from that and, and try to be a little bit different. So we appreciate you guys hanging out with us. As always, one more ask for that thumbs up button before we head out. We'll see you guys back here tomorrow. More NFL strategy to talk about. And if you're around for the rest of the day, don't go anywhere because we've got the NBA deeper dive. Alex Baker right here, Osmo himself with Adam Share. We've got Chris Spaggs and Terry McBride taking you all the way up to lock immediately after that. So we'll be with you all throughout the day, right here on the Awesome O YouTube channel. See you soon. Uh, hopefully no one listens to us about Ronald Jones because he's going to win someone all the money. What did you say? Ronald Jones for all the cash. I hope, man. <laughs> he comes in at 9%. <laughs>